1: Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Whether you're looking for a good Korean skincare or affordable and trendy jewelry, they've got you covered. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success And welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherston Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, my Montgomery County, Maryland sister, model, podcast, and TV host, Cammie Crawford, speaks to me about stepping into her light and the blessings that followed when she decided to live for herself. Cammie first stepped into the spotlight in 2010 when she made history by becoming the first contestant from Maryland to win Miss Teen USA. Exciting. But she quickly discovered that success can be
2: harsh, to put it lightly. Public eye, you hear crazy things every single day. And you have to be able to kind of, you know, let it roll off of you and not take it to heart.
1: Easier said than done, of course. But I know for me, I've had to remember there is so much beauty and opportunity in being in the spotlight. I've never agreed with celebrities or people with great public and social influence when they say that they don't wanna be a role model and that people shouldn't look up to them or want to model their actions. To me, it's unavoidable and I view it as a blessing to be of influence and I take using my influence for good very seriously. To whom much is given, much is required. My conversation with Cammie is a reminder that we can and should be our authentic selves, not only for ourselves, but for everyone around us. And that's not to say it doesn't come without practice. And from the sounds of it, Cammie had a lot of training in the
2: take-nothing-from-nobody department. Everyone has a past and a story and something that has made them even stronger. And I think even that, like, made me the person that I am. Like, I just... I had to, at a young age, make the decision that no one was going to dictate how I felt about myself or how I was going to present myself to the world. Like Nobody was going to dictate my emotions on a day-to-day basis except for me.
1: And in our Sankofa moment, Cami time travels for the fashion
2: but stays for the matriarchy. I really think, I really think it was like my past life. I think I was a pharaoh's wife, but then, you know, maybe I killed him and like ruled on my own. I don't know.
1: Oh, okay. Cammy, Girl. <laughs> okay, so here's the tea, everybody. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Actually, no. Okay, Cammy, tell you tell the story of when we first met, please.
2: <laughs> okay, it was pre pandemic. Yeah, it was, it like was 2019. before we knew. Yeah, it was, it was before we knew what was about to go down. Um, our girl Nana asked us to do her every stylish girl panel, and we were both on the same panel. I don't even know what it was about. I just know that I saw <laughs> you, I loved you, we clicked. And then we never saw each other again. <laughs> that was
1: it. That was it. No, Cammie, honestly, <laughs> you couldn't have described it any better. Literally, it was like, it was like we found our person. It was like, yes. oh my God, we just instantly connected. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, we have to get together. And then 2020 happened. Yeah, yeah. And the secret is, we haven't seen each other since in yes. person. In, yes, in person. In person. Well, here we are. This is why you're on the pod. Yes. Um, yes. So, Cammie, okay, this is actually hilarious. So, another ridiculous thing about our friendship and our connection mm-hmm. is that we're also from the exact same place. Yes. So, not only are we from the DMV, <laughs> but specifically, Period. we're both from the Potomac area. Yeah, in Montgomery County, Maryland, Mm -hmm. which is insanity. I know. So for anyone that watches Girl Housewives of Potomac, that's our hood. That's where we're from. Yes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) which is crazy. So wait, what high school did you go to? I'm just curious.
2: Churchill. I went to Churchill, but all my sisters went to Bullis. Where'd you go?
1: I went to Quince Orchard.
2: (gasps) QO. We
1: used to play them all the time. I know. Saying. It's crazy.
2: So, so we like have been were, next to each other, but but only actually next to each other once in our life. It's that's wild. Crazy.
1: Like we are yeah. so it just but it also just goes to show that's probably why we had that kind of instant connection, is because it right. just something about one another feels like home. Uh both homes. Yes. It feels like yes. LA family, but it also feels like familiar from back home. So I just think that's so exactly cool. But I want I want you to talk to me about. Growing up where we're both from, like, what do you, what has our home given you?
2: Oof. I love Maryland for so many reasons. Like, I still have Maryland tags on my car, I still have a (laughs) Maryland driver's license. Like, I can't let it go. It doesn't matter. Uh Even after living in New York for eight years, coming to LA, I've been here for almost four. Like, Maryland has my heart. It just, look at us. Like it just has the best, look at us, it has the best people, like just kind people who are driven, but like still sweet and not jaded from, you know, just like the world around us. I don't know. I I also love the fact that, you know, the DMV in particular is such a diverse area and I got to see so many different kinds of people, but most importantly, I got to see a lot of people of color who excelled in their specific field. So whether it's politics or medicine or law, whatever it may be, like I got to see flourishing black and brown people around me all the time. Like it is, it is a spot of greatness. Like yeah. and amazing people have come through and come out of the DMV and it's, there's so much pride in being from there that I I think that that's what I carry everywhere that I go is like that just sense of pride and sense of home and values, family values, community values that you may not get in a lot of other places.
1: Yeah.
0: You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: That leads me to your family, right? Yeah. So I feel like I know. I feel like I'm one of the Crawford sisters, okay? <laughs> Listen, you are. the sister. you yeah. all are like... You, not the Kardashians came to mind, but it's only because mm-hmm. if the thing about the Kardashians is that they're sisters first, like they are right. sisters, like yeah. unapologetically, the ups and the downs. They are sisters, and I and I actually yes. think that's really really beautiful. So, talk to me about your upbringing, your mom, Miss Carla. I I really yes. know the whole family. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I am you know in the, the whole gang.
2: You know yes. the whole gang. So how keeping up with the Crawfords is a lot. It's a (laughs) lot. There's a lot of us. So if you could follow along, you're doing great. Yeah. So
1: I mean, you know, when when I look at your family, you know, you surrounded by these sisters, you know, loving dads, amazing, beautiful mom. I want to know, and then when I look at your career, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a lot of it is, is has been centered around being in the public eye, um, mm-hmm. being on TV, being on stages um, in, in the beauty space. how empowered were you growing up and how did that lead to your career aspirations?
2: Oh, it was everything. I mean it, it but it wasn't easy. it was definitely mm-hmm. rough and I had a, I had a rough start. So my family is more of a blended family. So when my parents met, they each had a daughter. So my mom had me and my dad had a daughter, my Mm. sister Milan. And together, after they got married, when I was five, um, they had four daughters. So every time they tried for a boy, they got another girl. And the last time they Uh. tried for a boy, they got twin girls. So there's six. Yes, yes. So there are six of us all together. So Milan, Victoria, Carrington, Kennedy, and Kendall, the twins. And we are so close it is crazy. We talk every single day. There's like nothing that we don't talk about. My mom is like an open book so we can talk to her about pretty much anything. My dad is just, you know, trying to stay alive amongst all the women (laughs) in the house, (laughs) just trying to get his voice heard half the time. Um, But my parents, you know, my dad grew up with nothing. He grew up in Detroit and he really had to fight his way and claw his way up the corporate ladder and now he's a very, very established executive. He's worked in some really incredible positions. And he has just always instilled in us like that kind of work ethic and that kind of drive. He used to sit me in the in the kitchen and teach me how to give a proper handshake at like seven. So <laughs> I was like, I was, I was already working. I was already working yeah. at a young age. And then my mom, she was born and raised in Jamaica, Montego Bay. She does not play around, all right? Um, I was bullied a lot when I was growing up in elementary school and middle school, and she taught me how to not take nothing from nobody. And that also instilled a lot in me, especially, you know, being in the public eye, you hear crazy things every single day. And you have to be able to kind of, you know, let it roll off of you and not take it to heart. And also being the oldest sibling, I was always taught like you have to be a role model, like you don't have a choice. So in Mm -hmm. then becoming Miss Teen USA and in then becoming a public figure in the public space, this has always been, this is just who I am. Like this is just who I was raised to be. I've always been raised to stand up to people. I've always been raised to stand up for people. And I I don't know any other way. (laughs) I truly, truly don't, but I just think about all the little things you know, there, there was definitely, though, the struggle of, you know, trying to get past the emotional trauma of, you know, losing a parent, quote unquote. He, he not lost. He's still out there. He's out there somewhere listening to this podcast. Um, but he's a thousand like, you percent know, listening. For sure listening. He's a thousand percent listening. He's always listening and following, but, you know, never speaking. But, yeah. You know. That's, that's the, that's the story. That's everyone has a past and a story and something that has made them even stronger. And I think even that like made me the person that I am. Like Mm. I just, I had to, at a young age, make the decision that no one was going to dictate how I felt about myself or how I was going to present myself to the world. Like nobody was going to dictate my emotions on a day-to-day basis except for me and that was a very that was a very early on decision that has then carried on throughout the rest of my life and I could not be more thankful for every single step of that journey because it has led me to where I am. Cami, what
1: what was the the situation, the instance that got you there? Was it like what and, and did it have anything to do with your relationship or lack thereof with your bio dad?
2: I think On top of, you know, kids are cruel and like you'd never know what people are going through. And I was already going through such a rough time emotionally. Mm -hmm. And then to go to school and be, you know, ridiculed on a daily basis, got my hair pulled out, got jumped, all kinds of things going on every single day from the same three group of girls who still talk about me to this day and are also probably listening to this podcast. No, they do not. Kim, oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, girl, that's the whole story.
1: That's Bye. the whole story. We got to get into that because Bye. I'm like, hold on. Because I think there's a lesson in there, too. I want to get into that, but we're not there yet. Oh, yes.
2: There's uh-uh. definitely a lesson in there. Child. Um, They're always watching, always listening. That's why I say haters are just confused fans. It's, so, you know, you just got to redirect them. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, to be going through all of those things, it really took until freshman year of high school i was like i'm going to rebrand like mm. i cannot take this emotional warfare that's going on internally but then also at school when i go place like when i go outside of the home i'm also feeling this it was really i think from 12 to 13 i just made a decision i just said i'm not going to feel like this anymore i'm not going to let my biological father i'm not going to let these kids at school i'm not going to let my teachers anybody Keep me from living my best life. And that mm. was at 12. And then after that, you couldn't tell me anything. Like, wow, anything. I just decided that I didn't want to feel like that anymore. I was so sad. I was like, hair falling out. I'm like, mm. I, really, at 12, looking at myself in the mirror, like, are you good, fam? Like, <laughs> what's going <laughs> on? What's going on? And I just, I just decided. I I really can't say that there was any kind of you know revelation in particular. I just made a decision, and it sounds easier said than done. But like at some point, I feel like you have to decide not to be a victim of your circumstances anymore. You have to yeah. decide to take control of your life.
1: It's and a that's choice. what I did. Mm-hmm. It's a choice, and I am mm-hmm. just so impressed that you were able to make that choice at 12, 13 years old. But it also goes on to just drive home the point that you are who you've always been. Mm -hmm. Because I know that, Mm -hmm. which we will get to, you've had a season in your life recently where you had to make the same choice, where you had Mm -hmm. to look in the Mm -hmm. mirror and say, are you good, fam? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. The answer is no. So then that yes. means I pivot. have to make a different choice and be and proudly walk into my pivot.
2: Again, mm-hmm. we will
1: get there, but thank God. But even something like that, Cammy, right? You had the courage to you've had the courage to do it again and again and mm-hmm. again because you made the first choice to do it at 12. You needed to yep. do it then. Wow, that is just. That's that's amazing, Cammie. I'm so impressed. Thank and I, you. I'm also impressed with, it's the pageantry of it all for me. Because yes. here's the thing. No, it is. Because <laughs> I, I was a pageant girl. I, I just was copying my sister. I, my sister did all of the pageants. And she's my sister, Nikina. She's nine years older than I am. And so I was like, I want to do pageants too. And just... I didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. I think I thought mm-hmm. that because I was never shy and I didn't mind being in front of people and and I've always been to a degree an entertainer, I thought I could do this too. but mm. pageants pageantry is such a' it's so it's so niche in my opinion. it's so uh-huh. specific and mm-hmm. and it takes pageants are getting better now. But if we look back <laughs> five years ago, no. ten years ago, fifteen years ago, it was. Brutal. Yes. Especially yes. Especially for women of color. Especially yeah. for women of color who do not have size zero bodies and uh you know Eurocentric features.
2: Mm-hmm. So, how did you do it? Simply, Girl, how watch. did you do it? <laughs> I'm just trying to unpack that in therapy now. Um yeah. I it honestly. I didn't know anything about pageants. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I think that that is actually what ended up helping me because I didn't realize or catch on to a lot of the shade that I would end up receiving mm-hmm. because I didn't know. I didn't know any better. I didn't know how how crazy some of these people can be. And honestly, pageantry is also an incredible world. And there's a lot that you can learn and gain from it. Yes. But there's also this dark side of it. That people don't talk about because they're too afraid of being like ostracized from the pageant community. Mm-hmm. I don't care at <laughs> all. So I say whatever I wanna say and I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do. And that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And it also rubbed people the wrong way that I was a first timer, came in, won Miss Marilyn Teen USA my first try, and mm. then went on to Miss Teen USA and won that on my first try. Mm. So, hey, they they didn't like that very much. And I understand because, you know, the pageant community is like, people have been watching pageants, doing pageants from three months old. So, for somebody to come in and do it on the first, the first try, I'm sure that it, and a Black woman at that, I'm sure that it, it shocked the people. But that's why I'm here. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah. I definitely I didn't I didn't know what I was getting myself into at all and I was quickly very very quickly uh brought up to speed as to what I had gotten myself involved in and you know it was it was a really great experience for the most part I made some lifelong friends. I learned mm-hmm. some really amazing skills and it taught me how to grow up really, really quickly because I had to move to New York at 17 to work with Miss USA and Miss Universe. And I now was a part of this big company and brand that I had to represent. And, you know, there was, there was no room for, for error. There was no room for messing up. Like you had to be that role model. But like I said, I, was, I kind of had already prepared for that my life had prepared me for that, but it was on a different level. And then, you know, being the first Black Miss Teen USA and the first Black Miss Maryland Teen USA in a decade was also a a trigger and a shock for a lot of people who, you know, their conventional, traditional sense of beauty was something completely different. And I, I had to deal with the backlash of what that meant For those kinds of people, for pageant fans who have been watching for years, and that was was, was rough. But honestly, now being on TV every single week, Mm -hmm. the crazy things that people say don't even measure up to the things that I heard at 17 about myself from strangers on the internet. Oh, girl, please, please. That's like chump change. It's nothing. It is so nothing that I laugh because the things that I heard, <laughs> I could write a book. I could write a book. Which you will. By the
1: way, everybody, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> Cami on her 30th birthday is going to release a book that yes. she's gonna, she wrote in 30 <laughs> days, and it's going to be a bestseller.
2: Yes.
0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem <laughs> of a detour.
1: Okay, so you were thrust into what is like a dream, (laughs) or truly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And your experiences while in that dream were not, not all of them. A lot of your experiences while in that dream were less than favorable. And they weren't- A nightmare. They weren't- (laughs) Did you, ha- <laughs> Did you, or did you have the urge
2: to shrink yourself? Oh, 1,000%. 1,000%. Mm-hmm. Shrink yeah. and change. Because mm. it was, you know, like I said, not only being a person of color in pageantry is, is rare. And at that time, in 2010, the way the pageant scene worked, and for years prior to my win, only two Black girls would make it in the pageant period. So out of 51 states, which includes D.C. and Hawaii, only two would be black. Mm. And if you made it to the two, don't think that you're going to keep going, just the two of you. Only one of you can make it anywhere past just even being in the pageant. <sighs> so to the top 15 or the top 10, if you make top five, you really you really made it. So, you know, you go into it already knowing that like all the odds are stacked against you. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, there are like these pageant blogs where they talk about the girls. don't matter how old you are. You could be 14. They're putting all your information out there about your family, about mm-hmm. you, about your friends. Anything that you've ever done is going to be plastered all over the internet for everybody to see. And I was seeing all kinds of things about me not being black enough to be considered a black mm-hmm. Miss Teen USA that my skin was not dark enough. So, you know, naturally in pageants, everybody tans. But like, I was really tanning. My sisters now look at pictures and they're like, girl, you was blackfishing. I'm like, you know what? Don't disrespect me. (laughs) I was trying trying to do what I had to do. Okay, I might have went overboard. But, and then now, you know, at my big age, I'm being accused of skin bleaching. It's a whole, you know, you can't win. You can't win. Only because I stopped going to the tanning salon five times a day. <laughs> and you're living to. in your complexion truth. Okay. That now- exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to flex my complexion and, you know, it's, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. So I was hearing that. And then I was hearing, you know, that I was obese because I'm not a size zero naturally. That's not my, that's not me. I've never been that. And, you, you know, know, when I was that age, right. When I was that age, I think I was probably, who knows, a four or six, God forbid, um, at mm, seventeen, mm. and but regardless, I'm a curvy woman. I, you know, I have Jamaican roots. Like I, I got <laughs> hips, I got butt, I got all those things. And so, doesn't it didn't matter how small I shrunk, which I did end up becoming a zero for Miss Teen USA. Mm. It didn't matter how small that I shrunk my size, standing next to a naturally size zero girl, mm. who you know at the time the pageant, you could be 14 to 19 to compete at Miss Teen USA. So imagine a 19-year-old standing next to, imagine your 19-year-old self standing next to your 14-year-old self. Two completely different body types, That's different horrifying. brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're Don't Totally, totally different. Don't even oh, want to wow. see it. Completely different. And so really I just wanted to be palatable and I was trying to not let it affect me, but there's no way that it 17 years old you can hear these things and coming from where we come from where you see all kinds of different people it was it was shocking it was very very shocking and yeah like i said i I gained some good things but then also some some trauma some trauma and then Mm -hmm. when i moved into like the tv space i had to unlearn a lot of what I had learned in the pageant days about being politically correct all the time and not upsetting anyone with your opinions and you know keeping your opinions as neutral as possible it took me a while to realize that my opinion mattered just as much as anybody else's and I don't have to see both sides of every single issue
1: yeah yeah you and that's that's what I'm most impressed by is that I look at your life now and the reason why we all love you so much is because you're fully being yourself. Like mm-hmm. we love Cami, period. Every version of Cammie, <laughs> every, every version of you, Cammie, every single version of you is lovable. And as your friend and someone who maybe didn't know you at that time in your life, but knows you now, I am so proud of you for pushing past any of those negative thoughts from your past when they try to resurface now, because you realize now that it's so much bigger than you. You have to keep going. You have to be your authentic self. You have to say opinions that maybe everybody won't understand, but that one person who needs to hear it will. Like, I am mm-hmm. just so proud of you, Cammy. I want to acknowledge how proud I am of you. I'm oh, proud. God. As a black woman, make pass out. you make me <laughs> proud, Cammie. And you I give me you. so Thank much um, inspiration and hope for where we're headed. If you are someone who came from an industry and a world where it wasn't even really acceptable to fully be yourself. And now mm-hmm. you are yourself for a living,
2: Yes. That was that was a conscious decision, though. I had to make that choice. Okay. I had well, to make, that when was did another you make that choice? Deep, deep choice. When did you make that choice? That's another choice. That another choice. I made that choice when I decided that I wanted to be in TV. I was 19. I had quit being a biology major because I thought I wanted to be a dermatologist. That's, a, that's another story for another day. And <laughs> I switched to communications and never looked back, but I started working with my TV hosting coach in New York, Miss Barbara. I call her my TV fairy godmother. She changed everything for me. And I started working with her and, you know, one day we had a session. Most of our sessions ed- ended up just being like therapy sessions because I had so much unlearning to do and I mm. I could not connect. I could not connect with the other side of the camera. There was like a barrier there. There was a wall there. And one day we're like in our session, and she cut the teleprompter off and she turned off the camera and she was like, "Who are you talking to?" And I was like, "I'm talking to the viewer." She was like, "No, you're not." She's like, "You don't even seem authentic. Who are you talking to? Where is your authenticity? Like, there's no no opinion coming out of your mouth even when you're talking. So who are you talking to?" I had a whole breakdown, cried everything, child. It was a mess. It was a mm-hmm. mess. But after that. We didn't actually do any on-camera work for like four or five sessions after that. I would just come into her office and talk to her, and now she's actually a certified life coach. and I'm like, "Miss Barbara, <laughs> don't forget who your first <laughs> client was <laughs> because I just realized that it was holding me back, trying so hard to appeal to everyone. I'm not going to appeal to everyone. And I had to mm. make that I had to make that clear Ooh. to myself. I'm not going to appeal to everyone. I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. I don't care. I don't care. And I can't care. Because the more that I care about that is the less that I'm caring about myself and what I've got going on and what I think and what I believe. And whoever they need to tap into and watch and participate in and follow to be able to get what it is that they believe, they can go ahead and find that. Yeah, But I'm going to be me. I have to be me. And it's slowly but surely um, created a space for me to just be myself on an even bigger scale with an even bigger platform. I have my alerts turned on for you because
1: I gotta know. <laughs> I never know what, Cammy, <laughs> you got to get into. But that, so that's what I wanna know now, Cammy. Like, you're in such an amazing season of your life. I mean, mm-hmm. you're gracing our TV screens every day on catfish. Um, you are, I mean. When I saw that you are a rookie for Sports Illustrated for 2022, I said, I I had to just delete Instagram, get off, say a prayer, (laughs) shout, play some gospel, say, God, oh my goodness, you are amazing. Girl. But also, Cammie, I met you and you had a man. Uh Uh-huh. You're single in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, there was a man in my life? I don't remember. There was Um, a
2: man? Jesus, yeah, he's always there.
1: <laughs> so, Kami, he's always there. you guys, this is, this is what I want to know. Give mm-hmm. me the reel on how you're feeling about the career accomplishments in your life and how they came to be, but also how you went through the toughest season of your life just in your personal life at the same time yeah. and what you learned from all of this, Cammy.
2: I think... First of all, so I was in that relationship with my ex-boyfriend for five years. We were walking in the path of next steps. We were talking about engagement rings. We were looking at homes. We were doing all of the things to progress that relationship. And, you know, slowly but surely, it just, it did not work out. We grew in different directions. Character shifts happened on on his side, and it just was not, it was not, serving me well at all. And I realize now through therapy that I was dimming my light so that he could shine. And I was really, really helping and pouring into his cup and the cup of our relationship and not pouring into myself. Mm. A year before we broke up, I started pouring back into myself. Fitness became a part of like my routine, not just for the physical aspect of it. I didn't want to lose weight or anything. I just wanted to be healthy. Yeah. Um, Strong. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also started therapy and I just started really focusing on like my overall wellness. And at the same time, like looking up and being like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Pouring Mm -hmm. into this man and this relationship and I'm not getting anything back at all. And, you know, in long-term relationships, you know, people get comfortable and things happen, um, but just I realized that I was, I was being stifled. I was dimming my light, and I had to get out of that. And also just like boundaries of the relationship had shifted, and I, I wasn't comfortable. I was no longer comfortable. I didn't feel safe, and I'm the type of person, I need to feel 100% safe in your energy. I need to feel safe in your love and your presence, and if I don't feel that, it's not going to work for me. Yeah. And I was accepting less than what I deserved. And I was also becoming a person that I'm not. I was looking at myself in the mirror and not really recognizing who I was. So I had to make a decision and that was a that was the hardest decision that I've ever had to make I think in my life. And mm. it was the toughest thing on top of having to show up on set week to week and, you know, record for the podcast and do all the things that I had to do and present myself, put on makeup. And even though I, all I wanted to do was cry. And I was just like, I, am I ever going to make it through this? Long story short, I went, I got highlights, I got a haircut, you know, that's the first <laughs> steps. And next thing I knew I was, I was, I was back. I, I realized that what I thought was like a loss because it is a loss whenever you break up with someone like it's it's horrible. I actually started feeling free mm-hmm. and like a freedom that I think now has led me to these career shifts and and additions in my life that maybe I would not have been open to before. I don't I can't say that I would have been down to do sports illustrated had I still been in that relationship because I would have been too concerned about what he might think, or you know what, what his friends might think, like you know, and and making sure that I'm I'm, whatever, like you know, you be getting a, your mind about things yeah, when it comes get, to these men, and I it's not even necessary. It. Yeah. Um. So I can't even say that I would have been open or ready for this, and when it came. They they approached me about doing the shoot a month before we actually shot it. So I didn't know. People think that I had known about this for years. I didn't know about it until you a mean, month before what, I shot it. What
1: you say they approached? What was the approach? Did you get a random <laughs> email from Keisha at sportsillustratedrookies.com? Like, no.
2: <laughs> So I was modeling before I was TV hosting. Well, and, and in at the same time, I haven't modeled in years so because I've been doing catfish. So my modeling agent hit me up and was like, Sports Illustrated wants to have a, a meeting with you. And so I'm just thinking it's like an intro meeting with the editor, MJ, who is like incredible. I'm thinking it's just an intro meeting. Girl, I get on that Zoom. We're talking for like an hour. And at the end of it, she's like, well, we're so excited to have you as a rookie this year. And I, it honestly <gasps> just went over my head. I had no, I didn't know. I didn't know. I was not, it did not register. It did not register. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I hope that we get to work together soon, blah, blah, Ten minutes later, she's like, well, we're so happy that you're going to be in the issue. And I was like, MJ, can you say that? Can you run that? Can you say that? What are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? What are you talking about? She was like, you're going to be our our rookie this year. If you you want to, I said, girl, I said, this is the perfect time to break up with that man. Give me the smallest swimsuit that you have and put me on the beach. I'm ready. (laughs) I am ready. Okay. Wow. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, I
1: I love that story, Cammie, because you shed and shedding Mm -hmm. is not easy. Mm
2: -hmm. Shedding
1: is not easy. We're not yep. snakes who just shedding is just a part of like their, you know, their lives. And we know that snakes shed and they just keep on slithering around. We are human mm-hmm. beings and shedding takes effort. It takes yep. intentionality. It takes yep. courage to shed. And yep. you did it. And so many blessings were on the other side. So big mm-hmm. that it almost, it well, not almost, it did go over your head. And what I love yeah. about this is that 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 blessing in particular came with ease. Mm-hmm. It came mm-hmm. with ease. It didn't. It wasn't a whole bunch of who. Which is my vibe for right now. I I am like God ease. Yeah. Yeah. I want ease. Yes. I want access yes. and ease. And so I love that not only did the door open, but it was like. Oh yeah, of course. Of course, the door opens. It's automatically opens when it sees your face. Mm-hmm. It's just open. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh, I, exactly. I didn't know. I didn't know doors had face sens-
2: sensors. Yes. and just open when it's I showed up. Facial recognition. Yes. Facial it. recognition. It said, like, "Oh, but, there she is. Great. Yeah."
1: And it's because it was exactly where you were supposed to be. It didn't have to be hard because mm-hmm. it was always yours. Mm-hmm. So why does something that was always yours? Why do things that are all that are meant for you have to be hard? They don't have to right. be. And that is the they lesson don't. I'm getting from. Oh, my goodness, Cammy! Wow. Oh, Cammy. so tell me,
2: what has been your takeaway from our conversation? That we need to hang out in person? <laughs> <laughs> That's my number one takeaway. I'm like, I need to have lunch with Ashley ASAP um, <laughs> and, or drinks or both. Um, that, but also, like, how important Black woman fellowship is. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just so beautiful. And I don't want to say rare because that's not it, but like at the same time, it kind of is. I don't know. I think we've always, and I was actually talking to Six about this. I feel like black people just in general, we always have grown up with this mind frame that there can only be one. There can only be one at the end of it, at the top, you know, and in some way, like we have to be in this uh, subconscious competition all the time with each other. And I love the fact that we have come such a long way as a community that we can both be hosting two incredible podcasts mm. and sit and have a conversation with each other about all the things in life that led us to this point. It's just, it's it's such a beautiful thing and it's so special. And coming from where we come from and just like being where we are now is very very special and we weren't the only ones we didn't have to be the only ones and yeah. we can create spaces and seats at the table for each other to be able to do these things and I love mm. that
1: yeah, that's good cami yeah my mm-hmm. my takeaway is as you this whole time but especially just in this moment, I was just thinking, you bring me joy. I feel joy filled. Mm in your Me presence, too. and you put so much goodness into the world. And by you being so kind and coming on my podcast, you brought so much goodness and joy to, to my podcast. And I'm just so grateful for you and my life and, and what you represent for all of us and how you represent all of us, Cammie. I just am so taken by and I love you.
2: I honor you. I I respect you. you.
1: Yeah, I'm just so happy you came, Cammie. Thank you. Of course. Thank you, sis.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: After the credits, the historic time Cammie wants to travel back to for the fashion— Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for Own. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lentigua. Its senior editor is Marilyn Williams. Sound designer is Cedric Wilson. Managing producers are Camille Stennis and Paulina Velasco. Assistant producers are Michelle Baker and Shanice Tyndall. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you do, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts to ensure you hear the next one. All right, so Cami, what is one era that you would want to revisit Strictly based on the fashion of the
2: time. Ancient Egypt, immediately, <sighs> immediately. I want to yes. be covered in gold. I want to be. I don't. I don't care. I don't care. I want to be in all the things. I, you know, I, I want to be on a throne.
1: It's giving Cleopatra vibes. Yes. It's giving. Mm-hmm. Okay, are we giving Nefertiti vibes? We are just
2: all of it. All okay. of it. I want the headdress. I want the whole moment. The whole moment. Not the snakes, though. No, I don't do the snakes either. (laughs) No, no, Mm -hmm. no. (laughs) Ooh, Cammie, you'd fit right in. Right in. I really think think it was like my past life. I think I was a pharaoh's wife, but then, you know, maybe I killed him and like ruled on my own. I don't know.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. I love it, Cammie. Thank you, sis. Thank you. You You're the
2: best. Thank you.
1: Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean